weird memory. I'll just share it. It has absolutely nothing to do with my message. When I was a kid, about this time of year, we spent uh, a night with my grandparents. And my grandparents actually, um, I don't know, they're grandparents. They bought us a whole bunch of toys and things, you know, whatever. And we're in church on Sunday. My parents picked us up, or we met my grandparents at church. And so uh, I was Catholic, and so we're doing the Catholic thing, and the priest is up on the stage. In the middle of Mass, he runs off the stage and out of the church. And if you're Catholic, that's not normal. If you're not Catholic, it's not normal. (laughs) He had seen a robber break into our car and steal all the toys my grandparents had given us and our clothes and all this stuff. He was trying to stop them. I have no idea why I thought of that this morning, but I thought that was just kind of interesting, probably because it was Christmas time. So if I just run off the stage, I can't see anything, so I don't really know what that means. <clears throat> well, how was everyone this morning? Good? Good. Me too. Me too. We are in this amazing series, I, and I don't say that lightly. I just am, I'm really impacted by this series that Pastor Justin's doing. Anybody else on The God I Never Knew? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally am just um, being drawn into the, the life of the Holy Spirit at a, at a new level, um, just being a part of what's going on here, and I know you guys are as well. Uh, he said something last week that actually kind of struck me. I don't know if you remember as he was kind of preaching, if you were here, he said, um, sometimes God will highlight somebody to you, and he's like, Your rea- or his reaction is simply asking God, God, what are you up to? Does anybody remember that? And that word was just really interesting, and I got thinking to myself, I actually thought, do you really ask God that? Like, is that really your question? God, what are you up to? And it, uh, we got talking, him and I, uh, this past week or, or so, too, and um, it just really launched me into a place of really wanting to share something, and my heart is equipping. How many know that the, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, it says, are given to the body of Christ as a gift for the reason, purpose of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. You got that? So my heart is this morning to share some stuff that'll just be really practical with you to equip you. Now, a little housekeeping, um, a couple uh, things. It's, it was a short week for us with Thanksgiving, number one. And number two, Tom's really bad at administration, so I don't have notes on the back of your bulletin. If, if you find yourself feverishly writing some stuff down, and I, I'd rather you just listen. Feel free to email me. I'll just send you a copy of my notes if you want them. Um, and, and I just realized, too, that I actually don't have the scriptures up, so we'll go real slow um, to make sure we can all be on the same page today because I'm a little bit um, not prepared. But I just want to say that, um, that I love this book, that it's really unlike any other book I've ever experienced in my life because as I read it, it actually carries with it the power to transform my life. And, and I know you've, you've experienced that to be true as well. Um, what I want to do this morning, if you wouldn't mind, is I want to honor the reading of this word as we do here at New Life Church. If you wouldn't mind standing with me. And we're going to go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 15 through 18. But I want to pick the story up a little bit ahead of time. I'm not going to read it out of there, but in case you're not familiar with the story, it's Jesus um, where he goes and he heals the man by the pool. Remember that story? Jesus goes and it says there was a man that was lame for 38 years. He couldn't walk. And people tried to get into this pool because they believed some angel was going to heal them and all this kind of stuff. So there's a bunch of people that were sick and infirm, whatever, lame around this pool. And this one particular man for 38 years couldn't walk. Jesus, he ends up healing the man. Couldn't walk for 38 years, boom, now he's healed. Now, the interesting thing to note is he did this on the Sabbath, which which ruffled a few feathers, and that's kind of what we're going to get into. So why don't we pick this up in verse uh, 15, uh, John chapter 5, verse 15. We're going to read through 19, and it says, The man departed and told the Jews, so this is the man that just got healed. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. That escalated quickly. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but now he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. 
And here's the kicker. Verse 19, Jesus then turns and he gave them this answer. And he says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. I want to pray into this verse, and I want you guys to pray with me, but it's a very specific thing I want to pray. You see, in, in Isaiah chapter 61, you don't need to turn there because this is kind of a, this is kind of a freebie. In Isaiah chapter 61, it talks about, it's, it's the scripture Jesus actually read in the temple when he talked about his own, his own ministry. He said, this, this scripture is fulfilled in your, in your sight. He, he pulled out the scroll, and he began to read out of Isaiah 61. And it talks about the ministry of Jesus and what, what he came to do, and, and by default, because he's the firstborn of many brethren, it, it talks about our ministry, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm to do the works of Jesus. That's what I'm to do. I'm to do what he did. So Isaiah 61 says this, and I'm just going to say it real quick. It talks, it's a scripture that starts out, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. If you ever want to know why the Holy Spirit's upon you, just read Isaiah 61. First few verses, it's all in there. It says, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. A whole bunch of really good stuff, but I want to hit these two things in verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you and is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of prison to those who are bound. Before we pray, I want to give just a little bit of clarity. If you're in prison, it's because you've done something wrong and you have a judgment against you. It will take a judge to get you out of prison. And how many know that's possible? Amen? That's possible. If you're a captive, that's not necessarily a judgment against you. That could simply be that you're believing a lie. You've believed something that's put you in in captivity, and all you need is not a judgment from a judge. You just need truth, and truth will set you free. So that's what I want to pray this morning because I believe in how the Lord wants to equip us in this message is he actually wants to take some lies out, put some truth in, and set some people free. So why don't you pray with me? Father God, this morning, I just come to you and I pray that your truth would begin to supplant lies in our heart, lies that we've believed or maybe not even realized that we've walked in, Lord, this morning I pray for the very power of the gospel to be present in our midst, the power of the good news to set the captives free. Lord, I pray that your word would be so living and active that above what I speak, Lord, your anointing would come and touch our hearts and bring life and life in abundance this morning. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you that each one of us that believe in the Lord Jesus your word says that we have an anointing and it resides. This morning, may that anointing teach us all things. And if you agree with that, why don't you say amen? Amen? Amen. 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 <clears throat> all right. John chapter 5, verse 19. It's kind of be like our anchor verse for the day because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Jesus does this crazy miracle healing this man who's lame for 38 years, and his response is, well, don't get mad at me. I only do what I see the Father doing. And I think it's really easy to blow by that and be like, okay, that's just some nice little religious thing. I don't quite understand that. Unless what he's saying is he's giving us, he's giving us a window in how to actually minister. He's telling us as believers filled with the Holy Spirit how we're actually supposed to co-labor with God in ministry. The interesting thing about that verse is it says, this is the crazy part, it says Jesus only, say only. only. It's gonna, we're we're going to work today, people. Jesus only could do what he saw the Father doing. Amen. Jesus could do nothing, say nothing. He could do nothing by himself. And if I'm going to be honest, that is theologically problematic for some people. If you actually go down that road, that, that, that's a problematic verse. We're not going to spend too much time in the tension of that, but you have the creator of the universe who's saying he was somehow limited. And I'll leave that alone. Um, that's a just topic for a different day. The point is that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. If Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, how then are you and I supposed to walk? What does ministry look like to us as New Testament believers filled with the Holy Spirit? Is that same ability to see God available to you and I? And I'd, I'd propose it, it is. And interestingly, this morning, for those of you who may not know, we have a team of people anywhere from like, I don't know, 35 to probably 50 people on any given Sunday that, that serve around here. 
And about 7 o'clock, 7.25 in the morning, uh, 20 or 30 of us, well, yeah, 50, anywhere from 15 to 20, 30 people will gather here, and we just kind of pray, and someone gives an encouraging word. And this morning, the gentleman who gave a word literally um, talked about something I'm going to talk about in my sermon. And as we're worshiping this morning, the last song, I look at, and what Zach said, I, I'm thinking to myself, Zach is literally preaching my sermon. Like, that last song is my sermon, but just sung. So I'm really excited because I feel like God has something for us. So when I ask, how are we supposed to live? I think the Lord wants to teach us how to see what the Father is doing. Think about that. As we're ministering, what if I could just sense, see, perceive what God is doing in any given situation and just co-labor with him? Instead of starting my own thing, what if I could be like a a midwife and just co-labor with God and birth the thing that he's, he's doing? All right, so here's my little thing. Justin brought a stick up last week. I didn't have a stick. I thought it would actually be funny to grab somebody who's like under 25 and be like, what is this? (laughs) But I didn't want to actually embarrass anybody. So it's a radio, right? Most of us have radios in our cars or on our computers. This, This was the only radio I could find at Walmart that was like old school. I mean, all it has is a battery and this dial thing, right? It's got like AM, FM. I mean, we're talking old school. I think it's a real, that's really funny. Did you hear what it just said? False religion. (laughs) I don't know that song, but there we go. Um, That's going to throw me off. So, how do you use a radio? It's simple. It's got power, right? It's got an antenna, and you tune it in. I want, to, I want to propose to us today that as Christians, as believers, as born again, the Bible says old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. That just like this radio is built to receive, we actually are built by God to engage with him. This radio doesn't actually have to do anything. It doesn't have to, like, struggle. It doesn't have to learn anything new. It doesn't need any new downloads to figure out how to be a radio. It was built to be a radio. You and I were built with the ultimate purpose of being family members of God. And you can't be a family member if you can't communicate. You can't be a family member if you can't engage. You can't, you can't have family without connection. Even our very bodies we're actually designed to engage with God. And if I'm going to be true or honest with you, the charismatic church, of which I'd say I'm a part of, we're a part of, in the past doesn't look very nicely usually on the body. The body or the flesh is always considered just only a negative thing. And I get the, the idea in Scripture that there's the spirit man and the natural man, and I understand those differences. But the fact of the matter is Paul says, or not Paul, David said in Psalms, he said, my heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. Do you know your flesh was actually created to engage with God? Amen? It's true. My body was made as a radio to pick up what God's saying. And I think sometimes we discount that. So let's talk about that real quick. Proverbs 20:12 says this. It says, ears to hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Jesus said, I think it was in John uh, 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say my sheep have the ability or can learn how to. It says my sheep hear my voice. He's built us to hear. We were created to see and hear. Our bodies were created to engage with God. I would say this. I would dare say that we actually are the pinnacle of God's creation. Think about that. He made deer and he made all mountains, and he made everything else. But then he makes this one creation that's in his very own image, in his very own likeness, who has the ability to engage with him, puts him in a garden, and he says, now have dominion, make this world look like my world. Just go, go do that. Go take over. Let the love that you experience with the Father become your reality everywhere you go. Everything about us, our senses, our intellect, our imagination, we're 
and that's a big one actually, our imagination, were given to us so that we can connect with God. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And so the question becomes, how do I become that person? How do I minister in such a way that I'm, I'm engaging with God and seeing what God was doing? And I want to propose to us today that much like this radio, God is saying, hey, I've created you that way. You're already equipped. You come, once the Holy Spirit fills you, you come fully equipped. Two. So, we have a, so, so now you're fully equipped. You're this radio. Hopefully it doesn't say the wrong religion or whatever it said again. <clears throat> right? And you, um, let's say that you want, I don't actually know my channels. I don't listen to a lot of radio. Um, I've got to lower that. Say that you want to listen to something on FM. Now we get back to our numbers. That's a talk show. That could get me in trouble. There's no music on on Sunday, evidently. There you go. Country. Any country people here? All right. Settle down. <laughs> if I am on AM, I'm not going to pick up FM, am I? If I want to pick up an FM station, I have to be on FM. That there's actually a really cool verse that tells me that that's, that's something, you know, that there's, a, there's an idea in Scripture that God actually will talk to us about things that he can speak to us in the natural. He uses, the, he uses nature as an example, when he can, of heavenly things. There are some things, I think, that have no natural example. However, I think this one does. You want to tune into God. We want to tune into his voice. And sometimes I think we struggle so much. We think, oh, God, if I could only hear you, I hear Pastor Justin or I hear this person or that person talk about hearing God. And I want to suggest to you it may not be as difficult as you think. In the first book of Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14, it simply says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit because they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man can't tune in to the voice of God, the Spirit of God. Now, God can do anything. He can, speak, he can cause a donkey to speak to you, so I get that, right? Here's the thing. In this room, in this room, AM and FM are waves, radio waves, are going all throughout here, right? The only one who's going to pick anything up here is somebody with a radio because I have the tools that I'm equipped with to pick up what's, what's being broadcast. Do you know, in the Bible, the voice of the Lord is described as the sound of many rushing waters no less than three times. Three times the Lord says, I want you to know that my voice is like a raging river. It's not like a stream that trickles and dries up in August. It's not like I say things to you once in a while, and if you're, if you're available on Saturday and you're tuned in, then you can hear me. He says, no, my voice, I'm called the Word of God. My voice is like the sound of many waters. And that, that's not, that's not a, a light sound. That's not an intermittent sound. A rushing river is something that's consistent. He's saying, I'm always speaking. He's saying, you, you know, Jeremiah 29, what is it? He says, the thoughts that I have toward you, they're They're many. They're more than the, the sands of the sea. I have things I want to say. And that should encourage us this morning. You say, okay, well, maybe up until this point, I've never heard of the voice of the Lord. Well, I want to I pray, and I'm going to believe that today's your day. That today's the day that you're going to begin to hear, to begin to perceive. Like that last song that we sang, God, God, show me your glory, and then show me those that you want me to minister to. That God's going to begin to highlight people, going to speak to you and say, it's time to move. It's time to go. This is what they need. This is how to minister. This is what I'm doing, and I want you to jump on board. Amen? The last thing about a radio that I think is interesting, that, that kind of fit, fits with us, it's built to hear. We're built to hear. I've got to turn it off now so it doesn't die. Um, you have to tune it. We have to tune in our heart. We're either going to be listening to the natural, we're either going to be trying to tune into God from our natural man or from the spirit. And there is a difference. Um, you know you're in the spirit if faith is involved. If faith is not involved, you need to tune in better. Amen? That, 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 is, that, is, our, that is our FM. It's faith FM. If you can be in the natural man, you can try with our intellect. We can try reasoning things out. We can try all these different things. But until our heart leans into God in faith, 
and says, God, I'm, belie- I'm believing. I'm standing on your word. That, that's the spiritual man. That's how we know we're, we're tuning into faith. And then the last thing is, even if I'm tuned in, sometimes now, I, I actually remember these days, especially with the TV. You remember the old thing on the TV with the antenna? You had to get that thing. You had like, you know, tin foil. When you, <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yes, it was. Thank the Lord for the internet. Um, if you hear me talking about leaning into God, that's what I'm talking about. It's putting up my antenna. I can be tuned in. I can be, do, do all these things. But until I put up my antenna, until I lean into God, sometimes that's what it takes to hear from the Lord. You know, the scripture says, it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me a little. No, it says when you search for me with all your heart. With everything in you, you pour into your heart and say, God, I will die unless you speak to me. I remember a lady, uh, an old, I, 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 there's a few of them I got to really uh, sit under, some of these old-time preachers. I just have such a, an honor for people that have given their life for the, the, um, the message of the kingdom. And there was an old-timer who since passed away. Uh, her name was Fuchsia Pickett. And she carried something that to this day I've rarely ever seen in the presence of God. And I remember her sitting on a stage like this. She actually came up in a wheelchair. She was 90-some years old or whatever it was, early 90s. She'd come up in a wheelchair, and it's one of those things, you know, where the power of God would kind of hit her, and she'd be up and moving around, and then they'd wheel her out in the wheelchair. It was really wild. Um, and, and I don't think she was exaggerating when she looked at us, and she said, you know, I've literally told the Lord, if he ever takes his presence and his anointing out of my life, I'm asking him to take me home. There's something about that level of seeking God to say, God, I have to have more. I know you've blessed my life. You've been with me. And, and if, if, if nothing else ever happens again in my life, I'm a happy man. I'm a blessed man. And I'll, and I'll have enough to, to, to praise you for all of eternity. However, I know there's more. And because I know there's more, like David said, as a deer pants for water, my job, my heart is to run after you with everything I've got. Here's the key for this one. Here's your antenna verse key. Um, and, I, and I would even go so far as to suggest you want to live a life on fire for God and seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. For me, at least, this, this opened up something in, in, in Scripture. It's Proverbs 25.2. And it's a really kind of bizarre verse. It says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. How many know that we're a royal priesthood, it says? The verse is talking about you and I. There's something about God that he enjoys the pursuit. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us because what's a good, what's a good uh, um, example or analogy of, of our Christian walk is he talks about marriage, doesn't he? He talks about being married to Christ. He talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. He talks about our relationship to the Lord as a bride of Christ. And how, how is romance fostered? If there's no pursuit, how many know? It's, it's very classic of us guys. We pursue like we're hunting a caribou, and it's the last one on earth, and then we get married, and we're just like, yeah, that was good. Any women say amen? amen. Where'd the pursuit go? It's the same with the Lord. I want to say that the Lord, the Lord is asking the same thing. He's saying, your job is to pursue. Your job is to go after. He hides gold in dirt. We have to dig for it. Most things in life that we actually need, air, food, and water, we can actually get in America relatively easily. Most things we want, we have to pursue. Most things of value to that level are going to cost us something. I want to suggest to you today that, that the Lord doesn't hide stuff from us. He hides stuff for us. And he wants, you to, he wants you to pursue. He wants me to pursue him until we come not just to an understanding in our head, but we come to an encounter that gives us understanding in our heart. You ever have that? You ever have that, that thing? You know the right theology, but something changes, something happens because you've pursued him long enough to say, God, I, I get it. I get the right theology. I know that you heal people. I know that is your heart, but I've never seen you heal someone when I prayed for them. And you said when I laid hands on the sick that the sick should recover. Some people turn that off and they say, well, that just must not be for today. 
I want to encourage you, God's waiting for you to get alone in your closet. He's waiting for you to pour your heart out and say, I will die, God, unless this becomes reality in my life. Because you said you're no respecter of persons. And if Tom can get up there, if Justin can get up there and tell testimonies of you working, my heart won't let that happen anymore, Jesus. I, don't, I, I love the testimony they have, but I got to see you in my life. I got to see you moving. I got to see you set people free. I have to see the gospel move in power. I put that requirement on myself. Isn't that good? Come on, I had a friend of mine. Um, he's since passed away. He had uh, multiple sclerosis. I probably told this story before. He was all, I think it was MS. I don't remember. I could be getting the disease wrong. Uh, he was all bound up in kind of a fetal position. He was in his probably late 40s, early 50s when I met him. He'd been that way for years. <clears throat> I walked, sorry, ugh, get out of there. I walked in his room one day and I was praying this prayer. I was praying, Jesus, in the Bible, Peter walked down the street and people got healed in his shadow. And you're no respecter of persons. I want to see that in my life. Now, this will this, mess, mess my theology up. Uh, his back was to me. I walked into the room and he said, who, he just, I forget what he said. He said, who was that? He said something. And, I, and I, I, I shared with him who I was, and he just went crazy. And I said, well, what's the matter? He said, Tom, I've been sick with a cold all week. And when you walked in the room, it just left. I felt it leave. Everything's gone. Okay, here's the pursuit. He ended up dying of his disease. And so I go back to my closet and say, God, I don't understand that. I don't understand, but I must see your kingdom come. That doesn't drive me to doubt. It drives me to faith to believe that there's still a war that we're involved with. There's still ground that must be taken. There's still good news that must be preached, not just with word, but actually with power. Because how many know if, if good news is preached only with word, it's not good news. If you're talking to somebody with, a, with, a, with MS in their body that they're dying with and you tell them the good news of Jesus and can't show them that, it's not good news anymore. It's time for me as a Christian to put requirement on myself, to pour out my life before the Lord, to say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I need to see your kingdom come. I need to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And folks, I believe that we are in that. Anybody feel like we're leaning into that more now than ever? Amen. I really do. That was totally off on a side thing. <sighs> okay. Here, here we go. I want to give you some practical tips. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But they've been helpful to me. The first scripture is we want to see that what the Father's doing. How do we do that? I mentioned to you that I think we're kind of built as the pinnacle of God's creation. He actually created us like a radio to tune in and to pick up his voice and to encounter him. The first lie of the enemy is he wants you to think there's something else you have to do. There isn't. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit, which when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes as a seal of your salvation. If that, all that's happened, you're good. You're built. God, God's regenerated you. He's renewed you. He's made you new. He's positioned you to hear from him. Hebrews, though, gives us some hints on how to hear from God. And it's another little interesting thing. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. That's been so helpful to me. When I first started seeing, um, particularly with words of knowledge, I started seeing, you ever see people give words of knowledge? They, they'll share something. They'll share like a, they'll share something about someone they could not have known, but it was God calling that person in to minister. You ever see that? I never understood how people got words of knowledge. I believed in them. But I don't, it didn't make any sense to me. This, this verse was super helpful to me. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's get to some practical stuff. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he's a babe. We'll get to that later, that part of the verse. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, now catch this, those who by reason of use have their senses, just say senses, their senses 
exercised to discern good and evil. Let me give that to you in a couple different versions. Um, it says, reason of use have their senses exercised. Uh, one translation says, by constant use have trained their senses. Another version says, because of practice have their senses trained. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting. I want to propose to you today that because we're fully equipped, that we can absolutely perceive what God's doing in any given situation. And we should have faith that that is his, his desire. That his desire is he wants to co-labor with us to see his kingdom come and his will be done. That, that we, don't get just, we don't come into the kingdom just for our own sake to get saved. We get saved and that now opens the door. That's the starting place where we can go back to the original assignment Adam had, which was to have dominion and see his, his kingdom overtake the world. We're, we're, our, our, our job is to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. That's what the scripture says. All right, And he allows us to participate with him. So here it is. Many times we simply need to intentionally tune in. And I want to suggest it's that simple. Intentionally tune in and be aware of our senses. I'm not saying this is the only way, okay? The whole... I don't have the corner on this market, but it's a way. You want to begin to co-labor with God, I want to suggest we be aware of our senses. What's the first sense? Hearing. Hearing. We are all hearers. The Bible says we can all hear his voice. It's an ability we all have. We actually do hear his voice. The challenge is, as a believer, we're actually one with Christ, the scripture says. And so sometimes our own spirit's voice and his voice get, get all mingled up, which is probably the way it should be, and we have a hard time discerning who's whose. Because both of us want to see that person healed, both the Spirit of God and our own spirit. Both of us want to see that person um, delivered. Both of us want to see them saved. Both of us, him, the Spirit of God and our own spirit, want to see that person experience forgiveness. And so we're like, well, is that really God? Is that really me? Who is that? Samuel actually physically heard a voice. We know the scripture? You know, you know the story? As a boy, he actually heard the Lord call to him. And people today actually hear with their own ears the voice of the Lord. Probably in this auditorium, people have heard that before. I want to I suggest to you, when you're ministering to somebody, actually pay attention with your ears. Pay attention to what is going on all around you. It says that when we pay attention to our senses, we get to discern both good and evil. You can actually hear a natural response to a spiritual encounter. You'll be, true story, you'll be ministering to this person over here, and realizing because you're hearing something, that person over here is actually getting delivered of a demon. They're encountering the truth of what you're, you're experiencing over here. And if you don't listen, if you don't lean in to hear what God's doing, you'll miss the fact that now God's not only ministering this person, he's moved on over here and setting this person free. You might think that's just some sort of, um, they're just being rude. No, no, they're not being rude. They're, they're getting free. All right, and that, now it's my turn to, to move and co-labor with him over here and just be aware. I say, all right, God, what are you doing? Do you want me to to move over here, to just to be aware with our hearing. I know it sounds really simple, but I propose we don't do that. What we do in the church, it's time to pray. <clears throat> Close our eyes. We get very religious, probably fold our hands. I'm not, I've done this, so I'm picking on me. And then <clears throat> we go around the circle and pray till everyone's had a chance to pray. And thank you, Jesus, we're done. Can we laugh at ourselves and say maybe that's not the way that Jesus would have done it? Let's just be honest. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I, I do that as well. Guilty as charged. But what if we keep our ears open and say, all right, God, what are, you, what are you actually doing in the room? How can I be aware? Sometimes you'll be praying and you'll notice. As a believer, you'll notice the anointing of God come in the room. And his anointing, nine times out of ten, actually makes people uncomfortable. People have to say something. They have to have a prophetic word. They have to do something because it just freaks us out. Be aware of that. Because it helps us actually co-labor with God. Sometimes what we do in those minutes is simply say, okay, I appreciate that, but can we just take a moment and honor him and just let that anointing rest in the room? You want to co-labor with God? Hear what's going on. Hear how people are responding to the presence of the Lord. Jesus, as he was walking on the street, he had to have been doing this all the time. He had to be with his own senses, with his natural man, engaging with people and being aware of how the presence of God was actually moving on their life. It says we discern both good and evil. And so sometimes it's the other way around. You actually see how the demonic 
actually manifest. And a good way, an easy one for this one. Oh, let me see here. All right. I want to finish one more thought on the, on the hearing. Here's, I'm going to give a challenge for each one. The challenge when we're hearing is a person may come forward for prayer. And I want to challenge um, all of us who pray. They, you're going to pray for somebody? The Bible says out of the abundance of the, their heart, the mouth speaks. So I come up and I, I, I need prayer for um, my little toe. It's broken. I don't know. And all of a sudden, when they begin to talk to you, you hear their broken heart. Might I suggest to you that you hold off praying for the toe and begin to minister the broken heart? Hear what they're saying, because out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth is actually going to speak. And if we're tuned into listening, we'll actually hear what the real problem is on the inside, because once we minister to what God is actually ministering to in the moment, then we can go back and pray for healing for everything else, and he sets all that right. But the real issue of their life might be their marriage. Would it be okay if I could, I, I just really feel like I need to encourage, pray for your, would it be okay, brother, if I could pray for your marriage? Yeah, yeah, And you begin to pray for their marriage, and next thing you know, they've now positioned themselves to be open to God because God just spoke to them through you. I didn't tell you my marriage was broken, but you, you, you heard it. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. It happens like that in seeing, so that's one sense, hearing, right? Um, this, the next one would be seeing. Now, if you read the New Testament at all, actually any of the Bible, it's just filled with dreams and visions. And let's just be honest, there's, there's, that, that happens all over New Life Church. And it does one of two things to us. Either you get jealous, you're like, I want to see a vision, I want to see a dream. Or you get nervous and you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on there. And I've been both, depending on who I'm talking to. Um, but the point of the matter is we are positioned to see. So what does that look like? I'm not going to talk right now about dreams and vision. Those things happen. We have a lot of people in this church that actually dream, have really vivid dreams. Since I came to New Life the first year, I had a whole bunch of dreams. I, the only dream I ever had in my entire life was I would fall down the steps, and then before I hit the bottom, I'd wake up in like a sweat, you know? <laughs> I don't think it was God. I think it was bad pizza. Um, but people all over this place have actual dreams where God is helping direct them and how to pray and how to minister, and those things are super real. In the New Testament, there was a whole bunch of angelic encounters, and if we're going to be honest, I think those things actually make us a bit nervous. But I think as the day approaches, the church is going to learn once again how to interact with angels because they're part of his creation just like you and I are. Right? It, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not biblical. It's antichrist in nature to worship angels. However, it's just as stupid to ignore them. So how does this, how, what does this look like when we're ministering, all right? We're talking about seeing what God is doing. We're talking about having our senses trained. So now we're praying for somebody. This actually um, is, is super easy. You want a really easy trick. You're praying for someone for healing. They got a bad back. Where does it hurt? It hurts. It's hurt me for a week right here, about, and they, whatever. You lay your hands on the right shoulder where they say it hurts, and the pain moves to the lower back. Pain doesn't move. If you hurt your shoulder, your shoulders hurt. What I want to say, my point is, is this. Sometimes your body needs healing and we pray for healing. We ask God to bless it. Other time when people notice the change like that, you're no longer actually just dealing with a physical issue. You're, I hate to say this, saints. You're dealing with a demon. You're dealing with something that needs to be kicked out. So when you, when you begin to minister to somebody and that thing moves, Ask the Lord, what's going on here? Help me discern, Lord, is this, is this something I need to pray blessing and healing over, or do I just need to kick it out? This has happened to a, um, a few of us just, just a couple weeks ago. We were ministering to somebody, and, and the thing we were praying for them for began to manifest. And, and they got discouraged. Oh, even when you pray, it happens. I got excited. I'm like, now I know. The devil's played his last hand. He's got nothing else. He's just trying to freak you out. So then you go in on the authority of Jesus and take care of business, and that's what happened. Amen? You've been there. We use our senses. God actually designed us like a radio to encounter him, to pick up on what he's doing, to understand the spirit world. Here's a trick. When you pray for people, train yourself to keep your eyes open. 
Do not do this holy Jesus help them. No, that's great and all. Keep your eyes open. Train your senses to see what God's doing in their person and those around you. I actually had a, a gentleman, we joke about it, but it was a true story. It's only happened once here. On the front, after service, a guy comes up and he begins to talk to me. And you ever look in someone's eyes and you're like, that's not them looking back at me. <laughs> it's the truth. You, <laughs> if I'm going to be really honest, I'll tell you what I was doing. I was, I was looking, I'm like, all right, guys, who's got my back? Because I think he wants to kill me. It's the weirdest thing in the world. If we don't pay attention with our senses, if we don't realize God's created us to engage with the spirit world, not in some weird, like, hokey spiritual way. No, no, no. It's very natural. I have eyes. I have ears. I have touch. Those are things that God's going to teach us how to engage with him about. As we minister and pray, just to simply be aware that we can hear and we can see and we can use those to find out what God's doing. All right, here's your challenge <clears throat> in seeing. You want to keep your eyes open in prayer? This doesn't sound spiritual at all. I'll be the first to tell you that. It's okay. Test it. Experiment. Keep your eyes open when you minister to somebody and say, God, what are you doing? Give it a shot. Their pain moved? Try, try praying again where the pain moved. That doesn't work? Try casting the thing out. How do you know how to train yourself when you, unless you give it a go? I, some people think that in this Christian thing that we're all supposed to have all the answers all the time. And God says, you know what? I just really enjoy taking normal people, weak people, and just letting my power be seen through them. Is that the truth? Yeah, that's the truth. All right, last one. Hopefully this is helpful to somebody. The, uh, the feelers. The feelers. These are the people that, and, and, I, and I would say all of us can inc in, in, encounter all these things. These aren't, there's more senses in this. I just, honestly, to be honest, I don't know how to engage God with taste. I don't think we're supposed to, like, lick people that we pray for. I don't really know what that's all about. But if you have any, you know, understanding there, then you can, uh, whatever. Let me know. But feeling, we have, we have sight, we have sound, we have feeling. You can actually feel the presence of God. Amen? Let me, let me try something real quick. I want to, because all we know to do, all I know to do is experiment. You up for an experiment? All right. Now, this is for people that are born again, that have the Spirit of God in them, that love Jesus. Do this with me. Just do this experiment with me. Stay seated right where you're at. Stay seated. Close your eyes. It says that when we draw near to God, that he draws near to us. And sometimes that's simply taking a heart step toward him. I just want to encourage you to, in your own way, put your hands out in front of you like you're just asking God for something and just invite him. Say, Jesus, I just invite, Father, I invite your presence just to come now and touch my life. Lord, I just so love you. I love your presence. I love what you're doing. My heart is to co-labor with you. Now, some people all across the room, in one way or another, have physically encountered the presence of God. You don't have to tell me anything, but anybody out there say, I physically encountered the presence of God. Just put your hand up. Okay, there's some people that literally say, I felt. Now, this is what you're, you're feeling. You're feeling the presence of God. When the anointing comes in the room, that, that, that person I gave you the example, we went from praying to taking authority over. We took authority over the situation, and halfway through taking authority, I looked around our smuggler people, and I said, the presence of God just came. Did you feel that? Every one of us just felt the weight of his presence come in the room. All right? And so as we minister, this is, this, I think, the easiest one. Um, as we minister and we feel his presence, you want to learn how to walk in the spirit, the, the um, more, the, the first thing to do is simply being aware of his presence. If you walk over here and you, you sense the presence of God, and then you walk over here and you, you, you feel it lift. And you ask God, what, do you, what, what, what am I to do? Am I supposed to take authority to bring you with me? Or am I supposed to stay over here and minister to this person? I want to encourage you that as we minister, as we, as we grow as a church to see the good news come in power to southern Maine and New England, we're going to see, we're going to see God do more and more. And as we do that, to be aware of his presence. And his presence isn't always um, just growing legs and crazy stuff. Sometimes it's talking to that woman whose husband just left her. 
and you give yourself to allow her heartbreak to touch you. And the presence of God comes on. And normally in our workplace, what would we do? Uh, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Do you want me to take some time and minister to her? Hey, can we, can we, can we take a little break? Can we, can we step away? Can we, can we just give the presence of the Lord time to love on this person? You know what I'm talking about? You ever feel the presence of God come? I'll tell you what, something about the, uh, the anointing, um, it is somehow, and I don't understand this, it is somehow connected to compassion. It is. When our heart is compassionate toward others, we'll find the anointing that resides in you, because the scripture says the anointing's in you and it remains, that anointing comes out when you begin to move in compassion. And so that's, that, that, that has to do with feeling, being aware. The anointing of God is tangible and you can actually feel his presence when you minister. Now, the challenge is you don't have to, okay? Sometimes there's t- places where you minister and it's just in the authority and you feel nothing. And in fact, some of the most profound miracles I've ever seen in my life, I felt absolutely nothing. It wasn't spiritual at all. Um, but we just prayed because that person needed, I mean, when I, when I saw a lady go from black, nothing, blindness, to seeing when I laid hands on her, I felt absolutely nothing. And if I'm going to be super honest, I was like, did that work? Because we think it has to be some supernatural experience. I'm not saying it has to have, be some supernatural experience. I'm just saying when it does happen, be aware of it. All right? Give him place. All right. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about this, this is fun. When I was a youth pastor in a small church in upstate New York, <clears throat> I, well, much like I am now, I have zero training. I don't really know what I'm doing. Let's just be honest. And so I'm sitting around this circle of like 20 or 30 young people, and the only thing I knew to do was just stare at them. And it was super awkward for some people at the beginning that didn't know me. All I was looking for, because I believe the eyes are the window to the soul, I was looking for who I could feel the draw of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. And I want to suggest to you, as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, we can actually encounter that draw. And so I'd look around the circle, and I'd be like, ah, that's the one. I could feel the Father's heart drawing them actually physically on my body. Sometimes people will, um, if you're on healing ministers, I've never had this. I would love this. People are like, oh, my hands get hot, and I know that God, yeah, I get none of that stuff. I think that'd be cool, though. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you how I, how I know the presence of the Lord. You'll, you'll see, see me sometimes. I do this. There's something about my, they just won't stop. When I, when I feel ready to, to the, the God move, my hands just just want to go lay on somebody. They just, they just want to do something. And so you'll see me in the front row just like this because I just feel this, the presence of the Lord. Sometimes I feel his presence come on me like a yoke on my neck. Sometimes I feel the weightiness of his presence. You know, the glory of the Lord, the word glory actually means weight. And when you feel the weightiness of his presence, <clears throat> that's something to be aware of. Because I'll tell you what I do. That's different than simply feeling, when I feel the, what I would, now this is in my own mind, so this is off script. Um, when I feel the weightiness of what I would call the glory of the Lord, because in my experience, that actually comes with something called the fear of the Lord. When that happens, I don't co-labor with God, I get out of the way. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I mean that in a very respectful way because I feel like we're going to have days in front of us where, where we're going to see such outrageous things that God wants to do. But at the same time, as we train our senses to be aware, to discern good and evil, he's actually going to tell us, okay, I got this one. And we, we step back and we just say, yes, Lord, take, take that on. Because in the same way we need to know how to co-labor with Christ, we also need to know when we, we're not no longer needed because the, tr- the truth of the matter, we're never needed. It's just by his grace, he allows us to be part of the fun. Amen? All right. Um, what time is it? All right. Man, I am not going to make it. What? I got five minutes? All right. I'm going to go through this. A friend of mine, he actually said this the other day, and I thought it was really great. He said that we're, we're, not, we're not going to whoops a daisy, become more like Jesus. How many know that to be true? You don't just wake up one morning, whoops, there we go, I'm just like Jesus. We have to be intentional. We, that, what I mean by that is we can't passively pursue God. It does, it does require something on my part. 
There's a, there's a great teaching in the scripture. Um, I, I don't have time for it today, but it says, you know what? We don't want to offer God something that costs us nothing. What we have to offer God should cost us something. Sometimes that cost is this, God, I am offering you my absolute faith in your power to heal, in your desire to heal, even though my grandmother just died of Lou Gehrig's disease. True story in my life. That cost me something. It cost me understanding what happened to say, God, I know that wasn't you. Sometimes we come in a worship service and we, say, we don't really have anything to offer God. There's no cost. We don't know what to... I want to make a suggestion in, in how we draw near to God. If you can't find something of value to offer God, I want to suggest to you, and I'm not saying this lightly, simply put yourself on the altar and once again, once again say, God, I'll take you at your word and I just pray that you take all that I am for the cause of this gospel that is so worthy of my life. I pray that you put me, put me on, on the altar, that you burn me with the fire of your holy presence and that you would cause your power in the good news of Jesus Christ to just riddle my life in every way. God, just, just, just power into my life. Just do what you want with me. Have your way. And that becomes... That becomes the offering. And that's all I know how to do. It is. When, when you, you go and you find, you, you hit a roadblock, you, you hit something that you think, you, you, you don't know how to power through, you get in your own quiet place with the Lord, you put yourself once again on the altar and you say, God, have your way. I must see the kingdom of God come and move on this earth. Amen? It's got to cost us something. Sorry. Ah, ooh. All right, here we go. Now this is the part that I'm stealing from Mike. I'm going to grab a tissue, sorry. <clears throat> um, whew. Here we go. How many know, uh, well, we're we going to do this. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep it quick. Um, you're, we're going to see more and more of what God's doing in the realm of the miraculous in our life. And I want to make a suggestion to you that as we see people get healed and miraculously touched by God, it's twofold. The primary purpose, let's go with healing, of, of healing is, is really simple, and it's this. It's that God loves people, right? It's really not too theologically intense. It really is that good. That's why Jesus could heal somebody and then say, go tell nobody. Because he wasn't trying to get popular. He didn't need the miracle for any reason. He just said, I love you. Receive your healing and go your way. But there's a second, a second thing that comes with the miraculous. As a believer, as we co-labor with Christ, we see what the Father's doing, right? We, we train our senses. We get in on the action and we're excited to be filled with God and moving with him. We see something happen. God loves that person and he just did it in their life. Well, for me, the miracle actually teaches me to see. The miracle becomes my tutor. And let me give you the uh, example. Um, do you remember the story where Jesus fed the 5,000, right? He feeds people with a, a few loaves and a couple fish. Thousands of people get fed. I used to think that story was the fact that Jesus multiplied the food. This is exactly what Mike said this morning, which is really funny. I wouldn't have put it this way, but I thought that Jesus took some bread, multiplied it into a big pile, and he's like, okay, take some of the pile and go feed people. But that's not what happened. What happened was he took some bread, took some fish, he blessed it, gave thanks, divided it among his disciples. They gave out the pieces, and as they gave it away, the bread and the fish multiplied. Catch it. As the disciples gave it away, the miracle happened. Okay, fast forward a couple chapters. The, the, the disciples are now with Jesus in a boat, and he's warning them about the leaven of the scribes uh, the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And all the disciples are thinking of is who bought the bread. Jesus wants bread. He's talking about leaven. And Jesus' response is, can't you see? Don't you perceive? Don't you understand? I just took you through this miracle so that you could see how I work. See, in that boat where they were, Jesus had just calmed the storm. And Jesus was saying, I want you to know that you don't always need me to do everything. That I'll give you the bread, 
I'll multiply the bread, but it happens as you do it. In other words, you, you as the believer in Jesus can calm the storm because I'm with you. So miracles are actually tutors to teach us to see. Think about it this way. Let's just run through them real quick. Um, where's my miracle stuff? Miracles of Jesus. He changed water into wine to honor his mother. He caused supernatural amounts of fish to be caught when the fishermen, the professionals, could catch nothing. He calmed storms. He healed diseases. He cleansed lepers. He broke. He made the hole or the broken hole again. He fed thousands. I love that. He takes a few loaves of fish. He sees thousands of people. And he's like, yeah, that's enough. (laughs) Think about that. The scripture says that his thoughts and my thoughts are so far apart from each other, right? He's teaching us how to see. He restores a guy's ear that Peter lopped off with a sword. He baptizes his followers in the Holy Spirit and fire. Then he turns to those same peoples and he says, the works that I do, you should do, and greater. Whew. All right. Did that help anybody? Good. All right. Well, now for the fun part. This is the first Sunday of the month, so we're actually going to do communion. Does that sound fun? So would you guys stand with me for the the remainder of this? And we're going to have the communion team uh, come on up. And pass out the elements. Because why I say this is the fun part, because I want to move on to activation. It's one thing to learn something. It's another thing to get some cool tools, Right? But it's another thing to, 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 in our own spirit and soul, and activate that thing to say, God, it's time to move forward. And I want to suggest that uh, activation is, is, is pretty simple. And it revolves around, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyways. It revolves around two keys. And the reason I hate the word keys is because it sounds like spooky or something weird. It's not a secret at all. And the keys are this, faith and love. So they're going to pass the the elements out. Hold on to them until we're done. I want to take them together if that's okay. Faith. The Bible says that we must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder and that he's a rewarder and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's a good one. I'll tell you, there's a kingdom principle that I want to learn more about in the next couple years is how the culture of heaven is a culture of reward. God honors, God honors seeking. He rewards seeking. That's faith. When I come to God, I have faith. I believe that he's a rewarder. I want to say this morning that God will respond to your faith. He'll respond to your faith. God will respond when we reach our heart out in faith and believe his word. When we take hold of his word and say, God, I'm going to move toward you this morning, God will respond to your faith. And the second thing is this love. You know, um, I actually thought about, I'm glad I didn't. I'd, we'd be here till noon. I thought about having like five or six areas of like take what, what taking healthy risks would be, right? Because I want to encourage people to take risks. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K right? It's taking risks in God. But there's healthy risks and there's unhealthy risks. Going up to somebody like, God told me to tell you this and why you're terrible. That's a bad risk. Don't do that. I want to whittle down my rules into one thing. You want to take a healthy risk, love people. We have faith toward God that tells us how we can interact toward God and we love people that tells us how to interact with people. In all that I say this morning, if, you're, if you haven't figured out how to actually lean into God and minister as a co-labor with God and love people at the same time, might I suggest you put the ministry aside and simply love people? Because he can teach us that part later. I want to encourage us as we launch out of here that God actually, uh, he, he wants us to love them well, not to put them down, not to hurt them, but to offer people hope, to lift them up, to give them good news, and to love them wherever they're at. We, we catch the fish. He cleans them. How many people know that? Come on. 
All right. Now, nothing, I think, encapsulates those two things of faith and love like this right here. Faith because it's the table of the Lord. It's the meal that believers, men and women alike, of faith get to partake together. It's a physical representation of the very core of why we're here this morning, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That when I was still yet a sinner, the perfect one, he came and paid my price. Today as we take communion, may your faith be strengthened and your love renewed. May you decide that today's the day, and myself included, I'm turning harder toward the Lord. I'm leaning into all that you have for me, God. I'm putting my antenna up. I want to find out what you have to say in my life and for those around me. You see, on the night that Jesus was handed over, on the night before he was crucified, Jesus gathered with his friends, and he had a meal. He took bread, and he broke it, and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And I think we do a really good job of remembering what Jesus did, right? It's very easy for us to go, and we weren't there, so maybe we don't. Forgive me, Lord. But we look at the scripture, and we go through Isaiah 53, all those kind of things where he's broken and beaten and all of that stuff. Understand the crucifixion was a terrible thing. This morning, I want to remember why he did this. Why did he offer up his body to be broken? It's because of Isaiah 61, 60 verse 1. Because he wants to position you and he wants to position me to see Isaiah 61 alive in our life. And here it is. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He says, as you take this, remember that I died so that you could arise. I died so that the glory of the Lord could shine upon you. I died so that you could recognize that your light has come. You don't need another church service. You don't need another revival meeting. You don't need anything because the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in your mortal body. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Why don't you put that bread right up in the air with me and just say, thank you, Jesus. I choose to arise and shine because my light has come. Amen. Why don't we eat together? I like that. It doesn't have to be so serious. After his meal... After they ate, it says that Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave it again to his friends to drink. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. Once again, what are we remembering? Are we going to remember the what? Yes, we should. We should remember what he did. That he literally poured his life out like an offering, blood spilled for me and for you. But this morning, I want to purposely remember the why. Because it actually goes all the way back to the very beginning of what I, what I uh, read to you. And it was this verse in, in Hebrews. It said, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Say righteousness. This cup reminds me that something was purchased on my behalf. And it's this. As a believer in Jesus, I am right before God. Say that out loud. Say, I am right before God. How do we minister the life of Jesus Christ if we think we're a worm? He says, no, no, no. You are right before God. You can come boldly into the presence of God Almighty, something that the prophets of old only dreamed of ever doing because of the Holy Spirit that's within you. My sin and rebellion put me into debt with God that I could never pay. And Jesus came and said, your debt is forever forgiven. The enemy is going to come and lie to you and say that, 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 that you're still in debt. And every time we drink this cup, we say, I am not in debt. My debt has been paid, and it is enough. Raise this up with me and say, what Jesus did is enough. My debt has been paid. I am a free child of God.
Let's drink together. Hallelujah is right. I love that. All right. In just a moment, we're going to end our time together like we normally do. We love the presence of God. We love giving the presence of God first place. We love worshiping, and we're just going to spend some time worshiping the Lord. I want to make two quick offers, and here it is. If you came today and you need to see the power of God move in your life, you need a miracle in your body, in your marriage, in a relationship. I don't know what it is. I don't necessarily even care. I don't mean that the wrong way. But you came and you're saying, I need God. Uh, you see, I've been to uh, Ghana, West Africa a few times. They have this symbol. It looks like a little altar. It's called Jinyame. And what Jinyame means is, but God, or unless God. In other words, unless God moves in my life, I have no hope. If you're at that place and you're saying, hey, I need God to intervene, I want to invite you forward as we sing because we have some people that are leaning into God with their antenna up and they're ready to see the kingdom of God come and move in your life. Amen? The second group of people, maybe now, maybe somewhere through the message, you felt a stirring of the Holy Spirit. He's put a verse on your heart. You felt, you felt the presence of God move in your life. You've recognized his anointing. I want you to lean into that. And I want you simply to give God place. To simply say, Jesus, this morning, this first day of December is a beautiful time for me once again to say, fill me up with all that you are. That I could arise and shine. That I could shine the goodness of God everywhere I go. Amen.